to the Info Jabs with Pascal. I am your host. And today's episode is something that is relevant to most people. But before we start, I want to pause and remind you to do three things. One, hit the follow button on Instagram, the Info Jabs with Pascal. Number two, subscribe to the Spotify page. Oh, also, I forgot to mention for my Apple users, you can now listen on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if it makes it easier for you and three do share the content or share episodes with people you feel could appreciate or use the information okay growing up one of my favorite parts of the summer was getting on the airplane to come to the states to visit my parents and the main reason was because of this flight attendant she was she looked like she came out of a page of a magazine she was this Haitian woman, very tall, well put together. She would bend down to our level and serve us our food. Uh, you know, back then they used to give us chicken, rice, and a salad or something. And give us a little toy and a pen. Because of her, I went on glamorizing the life of a flight attendant. She wasn't rude, but she was really tough. She knew how to maintain order on the plane. It seems like she was the leader of the, the, of the group. Then I, I met my friend Denise, who's been flying for seven years, and I had a conversation with her and she helped me understand how the flight attendant occupation has evolved over the years. So apparently a few decades ago, flight attendants were discouraged to be married, to have children. They had to be a certain size. Unlike what we see today, we see a group of diverse people. And there's a lot more involved in the job and they make it look really, really easy. So I'm confident today that my conversation with Denise will highlight all of the details that are unknown to us, the public, so we can stop assuming what the, it must be like to be a flight attendant and we can hear it from someone who's actually in the industry. So welcome to the podcast, Denise. Hi. <laughs> Denise, so can you answer that question from the beginning? Do we make your job harder than it needs to be? It's a fun job. I always tell people, really, the hardest part is just dealing with the general public. It's like, you just have a lot of different personalities. That's really the only hard part of the job, really. Just the general public and how people can be sometimes. <laughs> That's really... You know, <laughs> you know what the, th the crazy thing is, is that people could say that maybe dealing with the turbulence on the plane is yeah. this part or maybe an emergency but um so we'll get into it so what is your normal schedule um I can't really say like normal schedule there really is no normal schedule you have to have a lot of flexibility to do, do this job as fairly there really is no normal schedule um you can have a normal schedule maybe after some senior, like after you build some, put some years in and get some seniority. But for the first couple of years, you have to be really, really flexible. There's not really a normal schedule. Like maybe I have to be to work at 5 or 4 a.m. for, you know, a 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. flight. Or maybe the flight doesn't leave until 9 p.m. or 11 p.m., especially if it's like an international or if it's like, you know, a red eye. So I can't say like normal schedule. You you have to have a lot of flexibility like in your life to just be able to kind of work any odd hours pretty much. Well, see, that's what I'm talking about because we don't really think about that. When we have to travel, we know that we have a 6 a.m. flight. We're complaining <laughs> because we have to wake up super early to haul everything to the airport. 
but we're not thinking about the pilots. We're not thinking about how how early the flight attendants, because I've talked to you and sometimes you have to be up at three, depending yeah, on the so, time. Yeah. And sometimes for that 6 a.m. flight, it's possible that, you know, we've been flying since the day before. We haven't had a layover yet. So it's very possible that those pilots and those flight attendants that you're flying with on that 6 a.m. flight that you have to be at, their report time was maybe, you know, 9 p.m. the night before, you know, and they're still up and flying. So people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they do. <laughs> so the thing is, obviously, I talk to you all the time and I learned that flight attendants make the job look easy, but it's actually not easy. Can you share about what the training looks like? The training, I definitely, that's the other part that's like the most stressful. The job, it has a stressful moments, but the training is probably the most stressful part of, of the job. Honestly, it's just so much. And it's like, it's so much to do in a little time, I guess, depending on what airline you go, what type of airline, but it could be anywhere between five to eight weeks of training. And it is so intense. It's literally like six days on, sometimes one day off. You can have anywhere between like 10 to 14 hour days of just studying drills and practicing and all these things. And I don't think people realize how much it entails. Like you literally have to be a firefighter, a nurse, you know, this, that you have to play all these like different roles. And it's like they teach it to you in one day and it's like the next day it's a test. And then before you even finish like testing for that one, okay, the next day learn something else. Okay, next day it's a test. So it's training is really, really stressful. That is probably the like the hardest part of the job. I feel like if you could get through training, like you're good once you make it past that part. <laughs> I think the first time you went through training, I always remember that. So whenever you go through training again, I try to leave you alone. I mean, I'll check on you, but I really, I don't know what your day is. Yeah, it's hard because you literally, you don't even get to talk to anybody. You're just so busy. It's like you basically have to disappear for a couple of weeks. You're, it's just so much to do. There's so much to learn. And it's just so intense. And it's intimidating because like every week that you're getting through the next step and the next step, it's like you're watching someone get sent home for maybe not passing a drill or a test. And it just, it's really sad to like watching. You're just like, oh, okay, I have to take this hard test after I just saw someone like get sent home. <laughs> so it's not, it's a lot. It's really stressful. Yeah. that's the. I guess that's the scary thing about it too. It's not like anybody who gets a job and then you, Hey, I'm starting a job, but this week no. is really only training. No, once you get it, you have to make sure that you study yeah. and that you are up to date with what you're being taught so that you can regurgitate that information. So that I, and I understand because you're doing uh, just like a pilot, the lives of so many people, you know, not necessarily for physically in that pilot's hands, but I mean, the pilot is not the only one responsible, obviously the mechanics, the people who do the upkeep for the plane, but, but also the flight attendants, I mean, if there's an emergency, you, you know, any emergency, a fight or whatever, they have to know what to do. So, yeah, that's really like our sole purpose to be there. That's why it says, I mean, I'm no, I know people don't listen to the safety announcements, but if you listen to it, it literally says like, we're there for your safety and people forget that part. And they think that we're just there to give them drinks. And it's like, no, if you have a heart attack, we're trained to handle this. If you faint on the flight, we're trained to handle it. If someone is bleeding profusely or throwing up where they literally train us how to handle like these situations. It's not just like, Oh, here's your Coke and your Biscoff cookies. It's like, we're literally, there. we're actually there for your safety, but the extra stuff is like more so for comfort. 
I will say though, <laughs> I do pay attention. Sometimes maybe no, it depends on what I'm doing. But yeah. for the most part, if I'm on an airplane, I do pay attention. And if I've missed it, I do pull out the little pamphlet. Yeah. And then I, ju- I just, <laughs> I know, part. yeah, I do pay attention to it. <laughs> but that's funny. They be like, I know people don't listen. <laughs> yeah, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen. Um, all right. So you, you mentioned it. That can be a lead up to my next question. Are on the airplane. Obviously, you're there to usher people in to help us with our seats. How, you know, where can we put our luggages? But the other thing is, is to make sure that everything is okay. Uh, while we're flying, that the experience is not stressful. And so how are you trained to deal with um, unruly passengers? Um, I mean, unruly passengers, I guess, kind of trained just to like try to de-escalate the situation as best as you can. Um, they have like, like where I'm at, well, most airlines have this, but like where I'm at, where you have like your different levels of threat, like you have physical, disruptive, like life threatening and stuff like that. So, I mean, they do train us for the most part, like unruly stuff. Like, you know, we'll try to deescalate it as best as we can. We don't like to have to deviate or make an emergency landing. Or if you're still on the ground, like get the person pulled off the flight. Like that's not like the goal. But if it gets to that point and that's what we have to do, then we'll do it, you know? But, you know, it's like, when it you know when you have unruly passengers you're hoping and praying like it doesn't get to that point because it's just nobody wants that to happen it's like at that point you're inconveniencing not only us but you're inconveniencing the people around you that had to be somewhere you know Mm -hmm. so like if I could avoid if we you know if we could avoid that we try to like just de-escalate it as best as possible one thing I remember the story I shared in the intro I, I do remember that flight attendant she was tough but not nearly as tough and sometimes I'll say even feisty <laughs> she wasn't like that <laughs> the way that I see the flight attendants now I sometimes I don't understand why they have to use the tone that they they do but I know that during the pandemic you were still flying and yeah. dealing with passengers who come on and don't want to follow the instructions they are sometimes intoxicated which is very difficult what do you do? What do you do if a passenger refuses to uh, share a seat? I don't know. So, I mean, for the most part, we are trained for different situations, but there's just some that you don't have, you're not prepared for that you just have to use like, your better judgment. The whole thing with us, all the things that we're trained for is almost, I guess I could say like the perfect scenario, but there is no perfect scenario. This is just like, you know, you're trained for ideally how it, it would go, ideally how they would like it to go, but probably not going to go that way they're just training you as like you know for an example so you basically have to use like your better judgment like if it's uh, the alcohol that's like a common thing um if it's somebody where they're like you know obviously drinking I'm not gonna like serve you anymore you know alcohol or um a lot of the times you do kind of catch things while you're on the ground and the door's still open so you Mm -hmm. do have time to pull them off if necessary you know, if things happen in the air, you know, you can say things like, look, you can either kind of behave or you can have the police meet you when we land. And that's going to be even a worse scenario, which most people don't, you know, you don't want to have to deal with that. It's like you get fined and then, or like, God forbid, you know, you get banned from like flying forever and that's like not convenient. So, I mean, there's certain things that you could do, like, you know, maybe like give them water, like, but the most common one is like drunk and disorderly, most, mostly at least, you know, from what I witnessed. But I will say, like, 
things definitely shifted like after the pandemic people just I don't know they just I feel like there was more respect like as far as for authority before then but I feel like since 2020 it's like people are just like no I want to do what I want (laughs) like so and it's the same like they do it to us it's like they don't look at us like hey we're an authority figure in the air it's kind of just like I don't care I want to do what I want sometimes that's the attitude that I noticed that people have had since COVID like COVID-19 so Um, it's funny that you say that it's because I've shared with you before I'll say man I was on this flight and the flight attendants were pretty I mean (laughs) I don't want to say aggressive (laughs) but they were they were pretty feisty and I'm usually let me tell you I'm usually very nice I'm very compliant if the sign is on for people to not be walking around sometimes I'll ask I remember over the summer I really have to use the restroom and, oh, I have to, I want to ask you about that too. Since we don't understand, we don't know, you can assume that they're just being difficult. And sometimes you really have to use the restroom, but the sign is on. So they'll tell you that you shouldn't be up. I remember re- that I had an emergency and I tr- attempted to talk to him. I'm, I'm sorry, I really have to use it. He actually called the pilot. I didn't know about that. He called the pilot and asked, hey, I have a, a passenger who really needs to use the restroom, da, da, da. So what is the issue with people being up when the sign is on? So if he did that, that I'm assuming that you were on an active taxiway. Were you still on the ground when that happened? I think I was on the ground. I think we landed. Yeah, so if you're on the ground, technically the rule is like, so no one's supposed to be up during an active taxi, which is while the plane is moving on the ground because it still is a critical phase of the flight. Because something can go wrong where that person could get hurt. You know, something could move and then it's like this person could fall or whatever. So technically, no one's supposed to be up. If someone does get up, you are supposed to call the pilots and let them know. And then they're supposed to kind of like pause a little bit. And then we call them back and be like, oh, hey, they came out. Um, So that's probably why that happened. Or if you're getting ready to kind of like land at some point, you can't really call. It gets too late if you get too close to the ground. But at some point you have to be like, hey, someone's up. So they won't. They'll kind of like level off, I guess, or whatever it is they do in, in the flight deck. And then um, before they get on the ground, I guess, just it's really just a safety thing Mm because something could go easily wrong. Like there's, we, you know, us obviously, because we work in the industry, we've seen hundreds of videos of things going wrong while the plane is on the ground moving. Like I've seen planes get hit by another plane while we're on the ground, literally a crash on the ground. And it's like, you have someone up while that's happening. That person can get seriously injured. So it's, you know, even us, they tell us why that's going on, like have a seat why it's on an active taxiway, like after we do the safety demo. So that's really the reason why it's like something can go wrong. Like people don't realize it's not only, you know, the chances of something going wrong on the ground is more likely because, you know, there's like moving parts. So it's like, it kind of like, you know, you're on the street, like different cars, it's moving parts and things, sometimes they just go wrong. So it would would be less of a chance of something going wrong with that individual if they're sitting with their seatbelt on. I think that's how they're looking at it. So it's a liability issue. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do remember him. He was super nice, but he yeah. was concerned about me being up. Uh, so you mentioned the airlines. I don't know if you know the answer to that, but there are so many videos circulating of people, even at the airport, even at the gate. Sometimes, well, obviously, you just mentioned if you can catch it, you do something about it. But I know that there's very little that you guys can do. Because if somebody's waiting for a flight and they go to a restaurant and they eat and they have a couple of drinks or they maybe take medication, 
I don't know if you can control that. But I do know that there are several instances where people have gotten on the plane and it seems like they are not okay. So at that point, is it up to the airline to do something? Because you really don't know the state of mind of the person and that may lead to unnecessary trouble on the plane. So with that, I know it's a, um, it's a case by case basis. It's really, so if we're on the ground and the gate is open and at that point, it's a customer service agent, the gate agent. We just, you know, call and let them know. And it's a decision of the flight attendant. Like, do we want to have this person on board? In my experiences, I always feel like it's best to pull them off. Because when you keep them on, it's like you get 35 feet in the air. And now this person is acting like erratic and crazy. And it's like, well, you should have made the decision to pull them off before the door closed. So I always feel like that's the best decision, in my opinion, um, especially if they're drunk. Or, you know, sometimes you can have a talk with them. Like, hey, look, you know. Like I was saying before, like, if you can't get right, we're going to have to pull you off. You're going to have to, like, behave yourself for the next how many hours or, you know, however long the flight is until we have to get, you know, where we need to go. If you can't, then we have to, like, you know, pull you off. And this is something where they're, like, belligerent. If it's something where they're, like, belligerent, I don't know how they got past the gate agents, but they do anyway somehow. I don't know if they just trying to make it seem like make it someone else's problem or whatever the case may be. But um, then obviously we take them off. But if it's something where they're like, they seem calm and they're just like, you know, maybe they did have too much to drink, but you don't feel like they're going to give issues. Then it's just like, okay, yeah, you're fine, but we're not giving you, serving you any like alcoholic beverages. And even like on that subject, I don't really agree with like bars in an airport. I don't understand why that's a thing. I never, I, I never understood like why would, I don't, I just don't get it. Why is there a bar in the airport? Like how, I don't know. I don't want to go on a tangent. Like, I don't get it, but um, I guess it's a thing. People do it. I'm not judging, but it's just, I don't understand the concept of like a whole bar. Cause it's like, you were sitting here making an announcement saying, Hey, you know, you can't come on here with your own alcoholic beverages, but this person just left a bar and people do it all the time. They try to come on with their beer or their drink that they just got from this restaurant at the bar at the, <laughs> by the gate where they just at. And then they come on and we tell them, Oh, you can't come on with this. Mm -hmm. why is there a bar in the airport like if we're telling them that they can't so I just I don't get it but yeah well they can't come in they can't come in with it but it, it is served on the airport on the in the flight and we serve it like on the plane even that I'm just like why <laughs> so you know I, I guess they're not like carrying it they, they, even if they're not carrying the the drink with them it's already in their system so that's yeah, yeah. and then we even make an announcement like you're not allowed to you know drink your own alcohol on board you can only drink the alcohol that we serve you even that what's the point of making that announcement I feel like if there's a bar in the airport I don't get it I just don't agree with bars in the airport but it's a thing <laughs> you know so. I mean I, I guess anywhere where you have alcohol, the sales yeah. go up. So I'm thinking, I think, yeah, it's a money thing. Yeah, yeah, that that too. And, you know, I do want to acknowledge that some people who are waiting, they're traveling for so many reasons. People yeah, are traveling vacation. to go on vacation. Yeah. People are also traveling. I know I've had to do it several times. People are traveling to attend the funeral or right. so I'm imagining that people have just all types of things going on. I know people who are traveling to go to rehab. It's so complicated. And I do agree and I'm sorry not to cut you off. That's a problem too. Like a lot of the Florida flights, a lot of rehabilitation centers are in Florida. So unfortunately, those are usually the flights where you have the most alcoholic like incidences. And I found that I guess people right before they go to rehab, they get like 
Yeah, one more. Like, yeah, one more. Yeah, they get like one last whatever. So they get like crazy. And that's why you have a lot of flights like entering Florida where it's most of those incidences because these people are on their way to rehab. I've mm -hmm. um, learned. So yeah. <laughs> and the unruly passengers are not, from what I've seen, there are some people are sometimes having mental breakdowns and they, you know, it might be mental health too. So yeah. it's complicated. And I can see how hard that is for a for a flight attendant on an airplane where you really can't go anywhere to try to keep everybody peaceful, keep a level of safety on the plane. That's very hard. And well, speaking of mm -hmm. airlines, we mentioned airlines earlier. Does the airline that you work for sometimes make the job easier or harder? Um, definitely makes it easier. I feel like um, depending on where you go, I feel like where I'm at now is a lot easier experience than where I was before as far as clientele. I don't want to like bash certain airlines, but I will say there is, let's see how to say this correctly. There's a difference between going on an airline that's advertising a $20 ticket and an airline that is like selling tickets for a couple hundred dollars. Like these are I, two... I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I these are know two what you mean. completely different travelers. And I, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so to go from like, you know, where I was before to where I'm at now, it's a couple hundred. It's definitely a huge difference as far as like the clientele. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, and I, and you know, I, I mean, and, not to, and I'm so sorry not to say that the person that could, you know, is getting the plane ticket that costs like $500, not to say that they're not getting on the, you know, lesser, uh, budget airline. I'm sure they're getting on the lesser budget airline too, but it's, it's, it's definitely a difference as far as like, you know, the types of people I will say, but, um, there's a great people on both, but there is a difference. Now story time. Can you share one of the most difficult flights you've you've ever had? I don't know. Maybe just, I can't pinpoint one, but maybe like drunk, crazy partying passengers. Maybe those can be a little bit difficult. Well, can you share one like, of the your best experiences with the passengers? Honestly, I have so many good experiences. I can't even think of it. I could tell you one that probably happened a couple of days ago. It was more like heartwarming. There was a passenger he was blind and he was also deaf so the way that I'm not sure how but I got left I, I don't know but I was mostly the you one left, like you got left where me. no 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 not left I'm sorry oh. like, I, I don't know or maybe you know what he was I think he was closer to me but I was the one um interacting with him the entire time he so he couldn't speak he couldn't um here he was blind and he was deaf and the way he could communicate I'm trying to explain because we're on audio so basically um you would have to grab his hand and write uh like yeah and that's how he understood um so I would have to write like you know the whole flight and um so the entire flight I was the one interacting with him so um I think he kind of knew me by my scent maybe like my perfume that I had on maybe but he kind of knew it was me each time and um it was just like he was just like the sweetest even though he couldn't speak he couldn't see I swear he was just like even now I'm getting choked up he was just the sweetest he was such a nice and sweet person and he had a device on him to communicate with me I don't know what it's called um he had something where he would type 
and um, the words would come up on like a, a device for me. Oh. And so I would, tip, I would take his hand every time and just write everything like, hi, you know, my name is Denise. I'll be, you know, I'm going to help you. And if you need anything, let me know. And do if, you know, I just kept communicating with him the entire time. And it was so funny because I was just like my own little, I was just like in my own little world, like interacting with him every single time. And, um, For some reason, it was just me dealing with him. That's why I was kind of confused. As to, I can't remember how that flight went, but. Wow. I didn't even notice that other passengers were like paying attention to me because I was kind of just like zoned in on him. I just wanted to make sure he was okay. And then at the end of the flight, so many people were like, you did such an amazing job with this man. And oh my God, like they were, I was just like, oh, okay. Like I wasn't paying attention to any, like, you know, what was happening. I just wanted to make sure he was okay. He was just, he was just so sweet and he was just so nice. And he was just one of those passengers that I feel like I'll remember forever. I hope I see him again. I'll like remember him forever. Like he was just so nice and sweet. So that was moments like that. Like I really love, I love like the people that I get to meet, the types of people that I get to talk to from like all over the world. Cause I like to talk to people. I'm just like, where are you going? What are you doing? Tell me like what's going on. So it's just like interesting to know, like there's, okay, well, why are you going to London? Like what's over there for you? Or why are you going to, you know, Canada? Like what what's going on over there? Like, I just like to know. <laughs> out of curiosity that's a beautiful story like I didn't even charge him which I probably shouldn't say that but he was just so nice that I didn't charge him that I just, hey. I just gave him what he wanted <laughs> no no hey let me say something about that so again I never really understood why the, the flight attendants sometimes they, I was like man like they were not necessarily with me but I can yeah. tell when they're walking through they're telling people to put in their seatbelt they walk through again, the person doesn't have the seatbelt, so they have to use a different tone. They have to be pretty curt sometimes. But because I'm always so nice, I'm always, I always say please, I always say thank you. Sometimes like they've given me some stuff. That- <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> not supposed but- to be giving away free stuff. But sometimes it's like, some people are so sweet. You're like, I don't want to charge them. So it's like, you're like, let me sneak you a little something. <laughs> but the thing is, Denise, the reason why I, the, the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because I think when we see the pilots and the flight attendants yeah. walking through the airport, it, they just look so cool. They walk in a pack and, they, you know, they just look so cool. So we just think, oh my gosh, this is, this is the life. <laughs> and from what I know, sometimes you're based somewhere that's away from your house. So yeah. you're not yeah. always home. So, so just like for everybody, we have nurses, teachers, you know, bus drivers, it doesn't matter. There's a stressful part about the job too, but can you briefly say a, a little bit about that and how do flight attendants balance with family and work? Yeah, um, that part is like a lot, a lot of people don't know that I guess don't work in aviation. Basically what you just mentioned is called commuting where you work in another city, but you live in, you know, another, a different city and lot most most pilots and flight attendants that's just how we live you know we may not want to live in you know new york but that's where we're based and that's where we work so you know we fly in either the day before or you know the day of and let you know you go to work and that's how a lot of us live um and it's definitely not easy like i will say there is a lot of things that um you do miss, like, especially me as a mother, like, there's a lot of things that you won't necessarily be present for. There's a lot of things that you miss. I kind of just have to adjust, like, let's say if I have to work on Christmas, I'll just be like, okay, like, you know, me and my kid, like, 
all right, we're going to celebrate Christmas a week before we're going to open gifts, you know, on this week or, you know, for Thanksgiving, same thing. I'm like, okay, we're just going to, you know, do this and celebrate. We're just, for me, I kind of just changed the dates on as far as like when I want to like celebrate things. Um, same for like my birthday or his birthday, I'll be like, okay, we may not catch the day of, but you know, maybe the week before the week after we'll do something to celebrate. It's really just like adjusting, but I will say there's a lot of things you can't, you cannot be present for. I think even for you, I missed your, um, not, not your wedding, but you had, um, was it the bachelorette trip? No, no. It was the trip. Was it the bachelorette trip? Yes, it was the bachelor. I couldn't, I literally couldn't get the day off. So and that's honestly been the story of my life. <laughs> I'm so used to like, I'm so used to just not being able to be present for so many things that there's certain things that I know in the back of my mind, okay, am I going to make this? Am I not? But with, that's just because of like my seniority with the job after you put like a couple of, a couple years in, depending on the company that you work for, you will like eventually have like more say so over your schedule. Um, it's just, you know, the first couple of years is just a little difficult, but you know, you can, after you put in your time, you could pretty much, you know, you'll be able to kind of control where you want. And it's also where you're based as well. Like what city you decide to be based in that also plays a role in the flexibility that you have. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I mentioned that because I do want to think about the passengers too, who are traveling. We don't know why they're traveling. They might be traveling to go bury, you know, family right. and but yeah. um, also, I, I want to mention that some of the flight attendants, when they show up to work, they have to put on a smile, make sure that they're, uh, you know, still operating in a way that to make us, the passengers, feel comfortable and safe. So sometimes they are away from their families. They yeah. are living for a few days out of the week somewhere else where, I don't know, what are they called? The, where they crash, crash pads. Oh, the crash pads, yeah, for yeah. commuters. So yeah, a crash pad for commuters for you know pilots and flight attendants that don't live in the city where they're based. Yeah, so it's something to keep in mind when we are when we get on the plane, they do have a smile and they are serving us, trying their best. But if they do sound a little um, agitated, it's because they probably had because sometimes you have three or four flights. You, you're probably the last flight, the fourth flight, and they've been dealing with passengers, people who are just not following instructions, and um, it doesn't matter how many times you say it on the AP system. Some of us, we're not listening. So I know the frustration of having to repeat yourself several times because I'm a teacher and I have to do that daily. Now, those are the challenges of being a flight attendant. However, the perks, <laughs> the perks of being a flight attendant, man, <laughs> where it's costing us like a million dollars to fly to somewhere for flight attendants, you guys fly for free. As long as there's space on the, there's a seat for you, you fly for free. So what are the perks you have experienced over the years places that you've visited your favorite place to visit um let me see perks perks um obviously like yeah the <laughs> the flight benefits those are fun i would i do would like to remind people it's free domestically internationally you still have to pay the taxes <laughs> i think that's what a lot of people oh, forget yeah oh i didn't oh i so didn't know that. yeah internationally you still have to pay the, tax. the taxes but not yeah. the that the full not the whole ticket no but okay. sometimes the tax is so high that there are times where you're just like i might as well buy the ticket like you know because certain countries the taxes are so high but then there's some countries where i've gone and i'm like okay i paid 80 dollars round trip oh wow wow yeah. so what are, where have you been where have you been 
the coolest place I've gone this year, off the top of my head, I will probably say, you've been to Greece. Yeah, Athens. I get, yeah, I'll say Athens. Athens was, it was beautiful. That was an experience. Um, yeah, I'll say Athens. That was really interesting. Um, you went to Mulan. Yeah, I did go to Milan. I'm like forgetting. <laughs> and that's the other problem. Like, so many places. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel bad. Like, you know, a passenger will be like, oh, so, you know, at the end of the day, they'll be like, where did you go? Where did you go today? And I'm not going to lie. This happens to me all the time. I don't remember. Because it's like, I'm, you know, sometimes you're in four different cities in one day and then you're in a different country every other week. So sometimes like my brain has to like pause like, oh, where did I go today? Like, where am I? So I have a lot of like those moments. So sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I have been to this pretty uh, destination. Like, I don't remember sometimes. So um, I really a lot of times have to like stop and think about it. And also, I think it's me like forgetting, I guess, be present because sometimes I'm just like, oh, yeah, I did go to this like beautiful place and that you've beautiful to, place. Like, you've been to Lo you, you, London? Yeah. 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 London. Yeah, the Caribbean, all over the Caribbean. It's like, it's funny. I've been to like all these like beautiful like European countries, but my favorite places are always like in the Caribbean. It's always like warm, tropical. So those are always like the best. <laughs> and when we say that you've been there, sometimes you you spend a night there because I think the, the airline pays for, for it, right? You are- Yeah, so for personal travel, obviously you're on your own, but for work, the airline pays for your hotel only for work. Um, whatever you do with your benefits on your free time, that's on your dime, um, not on them. So, and every layover is different. There's some layover that are really long, you know, 30 plus hours. You'll have the whole day to frolic and see whatever you want in this city or country. And then there's some where, I kid you not, you're there for like, you just have enough time just to sleep. Like, and that's, those are the incidents where people are like, oh, where'd you go? And I'm like, I don't remember because I just went in my room and I slept <laughs> and, and I woke up and I had to be here for four flights. <laughs> so I have no idea where I was. <laughs> There's a lot of those, like the short layovers and the short ones are really difficult because it's literally, um they'll give you a certain amount of time on the schedule from kind of like wheels up to wheels down. So it doesn't include, <laughs> it doesn't include the time that it takes you to get to the hotel, you know. Do your mm -hmm. night routine, decompress, eat, and go to bed. So those are like the difficult ones. You end up getting only a couple hours of sleep. And then um, and then you have the super long ones where you have time to go and, you know, do something fun in that particular city. Like, you know, so every layover is different. It, it all depends on how much time they give you on your schedule to be at that particular location. Yeah. Do you know I don't like to fly? I do it because I have to. But if I had, if I could have somebody drive me, you know what I used to say when I was um in in school, I want to make enough money to have a, a driver drive me all around the United States. I will never <laughs> get on an airplane to go anywhere, or I'll be on a train. But I don't like to fly because there's one thing that I experienced, and I've I told you this a long time ago. At some point, I ne it never happened to me when I was a kid, but while I was in college. I experienced being on the airplane and right before they landed, I guess something happens with the pressure. I'm not sure. I think it's because they are, I'm not sure if the, I don't know what's happening, but Just something being pressurized to make sure that we can breathe. Okay. That it causes something to happen with your oxygen in, in your brain. It does. And mm -hmm. sometimes for people, 
it really hurts and it feels like something yeah. is crushing your skull or they're pulling your nerves out of your nose, out of your ears. And that's very, very painful. And that's one of the reasons why I don't want to fly. And whoever is listening, if you don't know what I'm talking about, what you can do if you buy a bottle of water, you drink it and then you just you put the, the bottle right in front of you. And then right before they land, maybe 30 minutes before they land, when they switch to whatever they switch to pressurize the airplane, your bottle will literally start to crumble right before your eyes. And that's scary to me because I'm like, well, if this is happening to the bottle, so what's happening in my head? So I guess that's why I don't want to, I don't like to fly. But I experienced something in 2020. I don't know if I told you this. 2020 was the worst. Um, I was on a flight. Uh, it was a group flight. We were going to a bachelorette uh, uh, coming from or going to go coming from uh, a trip. And it was about 10, 11 of us. So we were all, we all experienced this. Denise, there was a turbulence that lasted about 20 to 30 minutes, which is a very long time. Where I sat, I had one person next to me. Um, there was an empty seat between us and immediately it got so bad. We, at the same time, we reached for each other's hands. We didn't, we don't even know each other. So the whole time it was happening, I was just praying. I was just like, Lord, I'm just really trusting you right now. I turn around and I look at the flight attendant who had been helping us the whole time. He's sitting in the back by himself. I mean, it seems like this is another day for him. He mm -hmm. is so calm. And I think the reason why he did that because you don't, you guys don't have to sit where we sit. You have your own seat in the back, right? But he came and he the sat, it, it, right? So he came, he came and he sat on the in the back where we can actually see him. And I don't know if he did that because we kept looking at him like to see what his reaction is. And I've thought about the relationship between a child and a parent. Sometimes if you react, if they fall and then you have a reaction, they'll start crying. And I don't know if that's what he wanted to reflect. This is nothing. This is, you know. So are you guys trained for that? Because that was a very important thing he did for us. Well, we're trained to handle turbulence um, necessarily. I don't know if we're trained not to react. I know I never react just as a person. I'm like, well, if they're looking at me as like, okay, you know, what's going on? I'm never going to give a look of like panic or I don't know what I'm doing or what's happening. I'm never going to do that, especially not for turbulence. So it could have been that maybe he had like, he had like the same thought process, mm -hmm. but. But how do you deal with that? So, I mean, when it's happening, though, are you telling everybody calm down or are you just sitting down and you're kind of like waiting for it to. I'm just sitting over? down, waiting for it to pass. Cause I know that nothing. I know turbulence isn't like the plane isn't going to crash. I think when we, that's what kind of, you have to remind people, like it's not going to crash because of turbulence it's really just different directions of wind pushing in different directions that's why the plane is shaking I will say that it, it's gotten in my years of flying it's gotten worse over time I don't know if it's like an environmental thing uh, but it's definitely a lot worse now I'm not sure what's happening up in the sky but um, it <laughs> didn't used to be that frequent I will say that and it is getting a little bit more violent but that seat that you probably saw him in so uh, what the airlines have been doing they've kind of been designated the last couple seats they've been leaving intentionally empty so that if we are in the aisle and there's really a lot of turbulence that we can kind of just quickly sit because maybe okay. it's not time to get to our the flight attendant's uh jump seat is what we call it the jump seat so you just need to hurry up and sit 
Um, I've had times where the turbulence is so bad where I'm in the aisle where I kind of just have to hold on in between and kind of just wait for it to pass. Like there's not enough time to like go walking. Um, you can do that as well. But I don't know if it's like a personal thing, but I've, turbulence has never like scared me. Um, <laughs> it makes me sleepy, if anything. But um, I have wow. seen where it's like so violent to where it's like, whoa, what is happening? Like where it's just like shake. Like I've had, literally had somewhere standing up in the back eating and a, you know bump out of nowhere and then your food goes flying <laughs> or like you know I had a situation where I swear me and a flight attendant went an hour and I, it felt like we levitated for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like okay like like a really quick like jump and I'm just like did we just like levitate <laughs> like your feet feet literally left the ground like there's been <laughs> there's been like <laughs> some of those as far as turbulence, I don't know if it's, like I said, a personal thing, but it's not something that I feel like people should be scared of because it's, I mean, I have seen some videos where it's like, whoa, this is like really violent where people are like covered in blood and things like that. But I mean, thank God I haven't, have not experienced that, but I still, I still don't think it's something to be worried about. I do feel like it's something that you could like survive. Can you get like seriously injured? Yeah. That's why they always say, Hey, even if the seatbelt sign is off, if you are in your seat, just leave it on because you never know when you might experience like just sudden turbulence or rough air out of nowhere. It does happen. Like you get that pockets of like, you know, it's not always when you're, when they tell you to have the seatbelt sign on. Sometimes it's while it's off. It just happens out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, we've covered that. Like, <laughs> huh? What'd you say? I don't know if I answered the question. You no, know, you did. You did. I actually you just <laughs> mentioned something I didn't even know. It's the air, like, you know, like. It's just like coming from different directions. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. So, I just thought yeah. That. It's like you have air coming this way, air coming that way and that way. So it's kind of the plane is just like, okay, what are we, you know? So it's mm-hmm. not an incident where the plane is just going to come down. Mm-hmm. That's why was, the most critical phase of the flight is literally during takeoff, landing, and taxi. Those are the most critical phases of flight. So while mm-hmm. you're in the air, it's not too much that's going to happen because you're kind of like, you know, in okay. like a... So obviously, we just talked about the more more serious aspects of flying. But do you have a funny story, like the funniest story, like from passengers or from whatever? The funniest? There's always a funny incident every day. <laughs> the funniest thing, watching these people not know how to put their bags in their overhead. Bin. Um, <laughs> just making fun of them with the flight attendants, just looking at them be silly. Like, oh, look at the oh, that's so us. Usually. We always laughing at y'all. But, <laughs> uh, let's see, a funny incident? I don't know. Um, I'm trying to, well, recently there was a funny incident where I, uh, there was a pregnant lady on my flight. And I think I asked her, like, I forgot what I asked her. I think I said, oh, how many months? And she said something funny, like, um, what did she say? She thought I was asking her something else, like, oh, no, we're just going to be here for a couple of days. And I said, <laughs> girl, no, I meant the belly. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about you. And so that was a funny incident. <laughs> she, I don't know why she thought I meant, like, is she going to be, I guess, wherever we were going for a couple months. I was like, girl, no. She's like, oh, like, she completely forgot she was pregnant. So that was funny. <laughs> that was a funny um incident. That just happened. well, that's good. That's good to have something to laugh about. Um, so, 
somebody who's planning on maybe applying and hoping to be a flight attendant, uh, how can this person prepare? Um, what should they expect? Prepare for the like the job itself, or yeah. like mm-hmm. how do they oh, apply? Um, what was the process? Do you apply and then immediately you get a job, or no? It's a very lengthy. <laughs> it's a very lengthy process. Definitely not like an immediate um, thing. It can take a couple months, a couple weeks. Um, it's very lengthy. It's like you do the application, and then there's a phone interview and a video interview, and then a um uh what do you call those tests um there's like tests you have to take there's a lot of steps before you even get to like the actual face-to-face interview there's a lot of steps in between so those um can be difficult for the face-to-face I definitely would say just be yourself I feel like you know with each airline that I work for including the one that I'm at now which was always my like my dream carrier I was just myself like they want to see yourself you know and also like make sure that you're personable like you are someone that can deal with different types of personalities not just with the passengers but with your crew members like the pilots and flight attendants these are people that are like from all over the country sometimes all over the world like um you're dealing with all different types of personalities so that's something that you have to be like prepared for and not take everything serious that's one thing I've learned with the passengers like you know okay you want to be difficult and crazy that has nothing to do with me that's always how I look at it like okay well this has absolutely nothing to do with me this is a you thing so like you know just and that's just learning how to deal with different personalities and just um just know that it is a stressful job it can be difficult but it also it's fun and it comes with a lot of like perks you know so um yeah just be yourself and make sure that you're like yeah, personable. That's it. You know, you can deal with different types of people from everywhere. Okay. So last question. What are three requests as a flight attendant mm-hmm. you have of passengers? So how can we make your job or the job of every flight attendant? How can we make it easier? Um, Three things to make it easier. Definitely. Um, not to be selfish or inconsiderate. And what I mean by that is to be mindful of not necessarily just the flight attendants, but be mindful of the people around you. I don't think people realize how inconsiderate they are of other people sometimes. Like for example, you know, we'll be on a flight and people will be asking things like, oh, is it possible for you to like, and people ask this all the time, is it possible where you can just have everyone like sit so I could just run to the front? I have a connecting flight. And when I get asked that question, I'm kind of just like, I can pull out my device and see that there's a hundred more other people with connecting flights. Like I can't just make, <laughs> like, I can't just make it like, you know, an exception for like you, like, what about them? You know, these people that are in the back and they'll be like, oh, oh, if there's a seat in first class, can I just, can I just sit in there? I have a connecting flight. I want to get off first. You know, <laughs> like you're not the only one. So just be like considerate and also same with like, the overhead bin space, just be considerate of the people around you, the people that haven't boarded yet. You pulling all of your things in there when you have smaller things that can go underneath your seat. Now there's someone coming on with a bigger luggage that probably does have a connecting flight that they have a tight connection. Now they're probably not going to you know, catch it because they got to go worry about getting their bags that they couldn't get on the plane to get on this next flight. So I feel like that part, just be considerate of the fact that you are in a public space and it's not just about you. And I think people forget that, um, not even just in flying, but just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in what, general. 
So what's a, what's another one you you another uh, guest you have for for us? Make it easier. Um, I can't think. Of, um, another request to make it easier. Let's see. Just being understanding. Be, yeah, be easy on your crew members. Like we are here for again for your safety and your comfort. Like just be mindful of that like you know we're there taking you where you need to go but we're missing our kids birthdays we're missing weddings we're missing important events in our lives that you know we're not being able to make it to and we're taking you to where you need to go like you know sometimes we're having a bad day we're on our fourth flight you know I've um have incidences where it's like okay this is the fourth flight in oh I guess there's a story I could have said earlier I don't know if I have time but I literally had a passenger vomit and the vomit got Yes. So there's like, you know, we're dealing with things like that. <laughs> so just be mindful that, you know, our day isn't always great, but we have to show up with a smile and like everything is great and be there for you guys to take you where you need to go. You know, we're missing important milestones and the people that we love, like their lives. And did just say, be mindful did of that. Did you say vomit in the vomit bag? So he vomited, I don't know what was going on. Long story short, he vomited like on the floor and like splashes of it got on me. And I didn't even realize what was happening because it was happening behind me. And I was like, what the heck? Oh, some of it got on you? Yeah, it got on me. And I was just like, okay. So things like that is what we're doing. Is that considered hazardous sometimes? Yeah, it technically is a biohazard. Uh, I think I, luckily, I think when I, luckily, I think it was like the last flight and I just like cleaned myself off. And then when I got to the hotel, I washed it in the laundry room. Luckily the hotels do have like laundry rooms and stuff. I ended up not wearing that dress anyway. I had another dress in my bag, but I washed it like anyway, but what a yeah, nightmare. That I, was. Cause there was a story uh, a couple of months ago where somebody, <laughs> you know, like went and they had to turn the, the plane around and they had to land. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot of disgusting things that, um, it happens that happen. Happens. Just to be mindful, like these are the things that we're dealing with. Like, help make our day like easier. You know, so don't mm-hmm. call like a million times for like the simplest things. Like, oh, I have trash. Like, that's not a reason to ring your call. Like, like, we're walking up and down the aisle. Like every fifteen minutes, you can just tell us when you see us or little things like that. Like, just be nice. Be nice to your flight attendants. Like, and thank them when you're leaving because people have the tendency that the pilot will come out. Yes. Sudden, they don't need. They don't even see us standing anymore. Oh, thank, thank you, sir. Oh, that was a great flight. Meanwhile, we were the ones helping them the entire time. But as soon as the the, the celebrities come out from the flight to heck, <laughs> they forget that we're standing there. It's like, oh, thank you, Mr. Pilot. Like, girl, I was the one that helped you the entire time. <laughs> you know what? Right <laughs> I do sense that there's a great appreciation for the pilot. <laughs> you like you wouldn't imagine <laughs> you like, know what up there with the door closed the whole time <laughs> and don't, so, you, don't you guys serve them if they need something yeah we feed them and stuff so it's so funny when that happens <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well, <laughs> they look at them like they're the heroes and stuff so i think i always think that's funny <laughs> so you said to be considerate so don't be, yeah, be considerate of the other people like around you yeah be considerate, be nice, uh, say thank you, and follow instructions. Um, yeah, just so. listen to the instructions that your flight attendants are giving you. It's not to be nasty or to be to pick at you or, you know, however you may think that is. It's literally for your safety reasons we're telling you these things. 
literally it's our job to do it to just make our jobs easier and not give us too much pushback on you know certain things especially things that are like out of our control you know well hey you've heard it on your next flight when you're getting on the plane <laughs> meet the, your flight attendant when you're getting off yes. pay attention to the announcements <laughs> um and just be be considerate be considerate make the flights just like you want to have a good experience make it enjoyable for everybody else too including the flight attendants Thank you so much, Denise. You know what? No I feel like I talk to you a lot. It's very fascinating to me, but you just shared a lot that I didn't know. And I'm pretty sure everybody else listening learned something too. So, all right. Well, <laughs> thank you again, Denise. And I know you have to fly again tomorrow. Hopefully you have yeah. a good day. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to enjoy my day off. <laughs> Um, so thank you to the listeners and I hope you learned something and I'm here learning right along with you. Do remember to hit the, the follow button um, on Instagram if you're not following and also share this content. Send it to someone who is a, a globe trotter who's always flying somewhere. All right, guys, until next time. Bye.